The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 39. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Please, say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never the going home. It's the beginning as to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hey, Jack. Today, we are discussing the 19th episode of Season 2, One False Step. You want to give us a rundown of this episode, Victor? Sure. After Carter crashes her new flying mount into a weird alien plant, SG-1 must travel to the planet of strange white people to recover it. While Daniel attempts to communicate with the bizarre white people who live in the village, he notices that the white people are suddenly struck down with a grave illness. Dr. Fraser arrives and takes a white person back to the SGC for further examination. After experimenting with various medical devices, Dr. Fraser determines that the physiology of the white people is just too weird, and their music is also very annoying. Back on the planet, Jack gets a headache and Daniel becomes obsessed with another weird plant. Then they sarcastically bicker with each other. Teal'c stays behind to watch the weird plant for Daniel while Jack and Daniel head back to Earth. Back on Earth, Daniel reviews his videotape and gets another headache, leading Carter to determine that the SG-1 team has been suffering from Havana Syndrome, toxic sound waves likely caused by the network of plants which was damaged when Carter crashed her drone into it. This is also what has been making all the white people sick. After installing a solar-powered boombox on the site that plays white people music, they recover, and SG-1 makes the 10-mile trek back to the gate for the fourth time that day. The end. That pretty much sums it up, yeah. Yeah. You made that sound a lot more interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I left out a lot of, a lot of, yeah. (laughs) The filler that's in there. Yeah. Didn't, I didn't think of the Havana Syndrome connection. That's a good one, though. I like that. <laughs> what were your uh, thoughts on this episode, Lisa? Okay, so two episodes ago during holiday, I kind of ranted about this episode being one of the worst of all time. And so watching it again, it was pretty bad. It, it's, not, it's not the absolute worst. Um, there were some great moments of dialogue between Jack and Daniel. They had some really witty, you know, exchanges and things like that. But hmm, overall, I'm still I'm still going to give it a thumbs down. I'm sorry. I love Stargate. This is not my favorite episode. <laughs> what about you, Victor? I know that uh, in the setup to this, you, you got you both had uh, told me how bad this episode was. So I was, I was going in it. <laughs> yeah, like, like, we, we, we did. We <laughs> did. <laughs> We did have that uh, feedback uh, last week about how the early SG-1 episodes were kind of like early in Star Trek Next Generation episodes. And this feels very much like a first season Star Trek The Next Generation episode here. Um, it doesn't really fit into the rest of, you know, the 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 Stargate world. There's 
I think one idea in it, the rest is just like you said, a lot of, a lot of filler, uh, happening. So, and then the aliens themselves are, are kind of unfortunate in every sense of the word. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> you can see the seams on their outfits. Oh. I can't handle it. <laughs> they're supposed to be naked. And then later we learn they're supposed to be covered with body paint, but you could see zippers. And you could see just... zippers. You could see like the sewing creases. Like, and this is like, I can forgive like that kind of set design. Like it's, if you watch like the next generation or the original series of Star Trek and the remastered HD versions, you can see the Phillips head screwdrivers that are holding the L cars panels on. You can see like the seams <laughs> in the carpet and all that. Oh, and, like, no. I'm okay with that because you couldn't see that on a standard definition TV, but none of the Stargate episodes are in HD and you could still clearly see like the zipper right down the back and, you can see, like, and the wrinkles in the garment. Literally, why they're saying they're very naked, and as that line is being read, the person is on screen with a visible like neckline. Mm-hmm. And there was one there, uh... where he has like the neckline, and you can see like they have like paint on them, and you can see like his chest hair poking out over the top. It's like oh, no. to like put some like tape or something, or like have him like shave it or whatever. Yeah, just very low effort. So it begs the question: Why didn't they just? You know, have them, they're all men. They could yeah. have been, you know, naked on top, right? And yeah. then had like the unitard or flush colored whatever on the bottom. You know, I mean, they could have done it in a way and just painted them all on top or even painted where it, where the neckline was. So you, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. There's just, <laughs> I got so many problems. Yeah. And I would love to know what like the direction was to the actors who had to be the, the white people in this episode. It's like, walk like you've got a full diaper or something you know is it was it was painful to watch they they reminded me of the aliens in galaxy quest the way they're all like walking around yeah yeah Yeah. so jack what did you think since we we really set it up well for you what did you think it was bad and i think it's (laughs) i think it's made worse because it's coming in the middle of what's been a really strong second half of season mm-hmm. two. Like the episode last week with um Apophis coming back. Like that episode was fantastic. And like we even talked about how like how well done the old age makeup in that was. Like so they can do good makeup, but this episode was just a dud. It doesn't connect to anything. There's no real interesting ideas explored in it. Like I thought what they were gonna do was that the like the alien people on the planet were going to be like the next like like evolution in like the metamorphosis of those weird plant things like i thought they were like actually going to be the ah. same species or something like that and they don't even they don't do anything with like that yeah just a one off yeah and this is i there's a lot to <laughs> I, I, when I first started watching this, I wrote down in my notes just because I wanted to know, like, where exactly. I was like, where does this go bad? You know, because it starts and you, you have the UAV crash and stuff. And it's not that it ever, like, suddenly becomes a bad episode. It just never starts being a good episode. Mm-hmm. It's like it lost its way. Right. Yeah. And, and if you take out the, the, the mimey, you know, people and unitards and you just focus on the rest of the episode, it's fine. 
you know, like I said, there's some there's some great interchanges between the characters and and teamwork and, you know, Daniel and all that. But I don't know. It just it, it the punch it just didn't get there. Yeah. There's never a moment where they end up communicating with the polyphonic spree aliens. Um, (laughs) Like there's no like development of that relationship between them. You never figure out anything about them. They're just like these mute weird creatures that don't have really Mm -hmm. anything interesting about them. And the big thing we're left with at the end of the episode is Carter talks to her plants. It's like, really? (laughs) That was it. That was a thing. Yeah. And and the plants on this planet, too. I mean, the most we ever really see of them are they're just like some, you know, spheres lying on the, you know, the quarry, you know, the this this really needed to be shot in a soundstage because you have like your typical Vancouver forest in the background, then just like dirt. Mm-hmm. And then just people have left some like white spheres on the ground. And those are your your mysterious alien alien plants. And it's not impressive or cool looking at all although i did like their uh their their pods that the uh uh, the people lived in though those were like very Mm -hmm. riven the sequel to mist there i was thinking of that like the design of the weird alien uh the plants like when they come up out of the ground it really looked Mm -hmm. like something that would be like in a playstation 2 video game or a nintendo 64 video game or something just the the really bad cgi yeah and and the fact that Daniel's obsessing about this plant coming out of the ground and Jack doesn't believe him for whatever reason. And then mm-hmm. the actual plant coming out of the ground itself has nothing to do with anything. It's just that the plants are connected via roots, you know, right. that have green blood in them, you know, and the green blood makes teal hurt. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. I mean, I kind of lost, uh, maybe I wasn't paying terribly much attention by the end. Like how all that came to be at yeah, the end. That's true. The plants coming out of the ground has no bearing on the plot at all. And they make it like they build it up like this is going to be important. Mm-hmm. I thought what was going to happen was like you when you see Daniel's outside the hut and then you see like the plant go down and there's the guy standing there. I thought it was going to be that like the plants come up and then they like come down and there's like one of those new aliens. Like that's how they're born or something, but they don't do anything with it. They were definitely setting it up like that. Like, like, mm-hmm. even though I've seen this episode now probably two or three times, is when those plants go back down, you expect to see like a like a new alien there, and it's like, oh, this is how the like plants do something. But mm-hmm. yeah, like it really means something. Like, oh, it's paying attention to what they're doing, so it's hiding from them, and then this and that. But no, yeah, no. And another problem with this episode is that none of this is played for comedy, really. But it feels like it should have been. And they hang a lantern on the entire problem that they've come up with, which is the fact that they're going around and contaminating these planets with their germs from Earth. Kind of like, you know, when people came over from the old world to the new world, they brought all their germs over, Mm -hmm. but they didn't know they were doing that. But in this case, like the standard, like they're highlighting the fact that the standard protocol should be for any time you go on a Stargate mission is either sending UAVs to survey. And then when you do go there, like have be fully decontaminated and wearing a hazmat suit. And they continue to talk about this and like, we probably brought this sickness here to hurt these aliens. Let's go to the other villages where they may not be infected and see if <laughs> exactly. they're like... <laughs> well, well, you, you notice they set it up this way because when first thing Daniel does when he comes through the gate is he sneezes. 
And we even heard Daniel sneeze and how long. So he sneezes and then he sneezes again. Then he sneezes again. Then Carter cuts her hand. And then Tilk mentions that one of them has, what was it, transmission fluid or, like or something? Hydraulic uh, fluid from the hydraulic probe. Yeah. Fluid. yeah. It's like all these weird, I felt like I was in a murder mystery where, where you're trying to figure out who done it. And you have all these, or maybe it's like a escape room, you know, where you have all these different things and you're trying to figure out which one is applicable. And it turns out none of them matter. Right. <laughs> And, and Fraser shows up and says, oh, it could just be someone's aftershave for all we know. Like, yeah. as, our, as they're rattling off all the probable causes here. I just, I did, I mean, they do try for humor. You know, the, the mm-hmm. premise is that SG-1 visited the, this, this planet the day before, but didn't go far enough away from the gate to see the villages or the plants. And so Daniel shows up and goes, whoa, deja vu. And like, you're wondering, is it just because it looks like every other planet? And Tilk says, did we not visit the same planet yesterday? And and Daniel was like, duh, that's what I meant. You know, it's like, it's like, okay. Do you think maybe this episode was created to highlight Daniel? Because we've had a lot of Jack episodes. We've had a lot of, you know, Carter fixes it. We've had, you know, Tilk family and Jaffa stuff. And so this was Daniel's chance to be the archaeologist and know things about other cultures and how to interact and you know, back to the movie, you know, where he did the, you know, chicken bok bok, you know, and here I'm the UAV flying yeah. around. Was this supposed to be his episode? This is chance to workshop his JJ the jet plane impression here. Yeah. All it does yeah. is highlight how incompetent he is, though. Like, yeah. really, it's not a flattering episode if he's meant to be the focus of it. But then Carter swoops in and figures it out at the end. So... I did read some people online were mad, mad about that. They they like yeah. there were people who really liked this episode. By the way, wow. yeah, Bad. go to Reddit. There's people who really like this episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. some some very broad you know humor as well. Fraser showing up you know on the planet you know now this is a house call you know and yeah. uh, and then when the Jack and Teal are sitting in the infirmary and and uh, or no Jack and and Daniel and and they're saying. You know, sorry, we got in this big fight. There, there definitely has to be something wrong with us physically. And then Fraser walks in and says, "Well, there's nothing wrong with you." You know, mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, overall, this felt like an. And I'd have to look and see who wrote this episode, but it feels they didn't like write a lot of episodes for the show. They did. Like, this was the only one, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this may have been like a spec script or unsolicited script or, or i don't know but yeah the guy who what the wrote, term is uh, michael kaplan he only wrote one episode and then it was also written by another guy who only wrote one so it's two guys who have only written this is the only episode they wrote for stargate and this felt like a generic sci-fi story that was shoved into stargate like none of the character interactions even beyond when they're like bickering at each other because of the low frequency sound, which is causing them to be agitated. None of their interactions really felt like the actual characters. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Oh, actually one of the co-writers actually wrote for, uh, or was on the crew for Mist three exile oh, there you for go. their live video shoot. <laughs> nice. Well, I think that and the other one, that the other one wrote the killer app episode of silk stockings, apparently. So, <laughs> So these are uh, yeah. <laughs> not the A list. Uh, yeah, some stockings wasn't the A list. Come on. Yeah. Not and the then A-list the director for Stargate of this writers, episode, yeah. he directed two episodes, but I don't know what the other one was. So this was like the episode they filmed when the entire crew was taking their off week, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah. So the director, uh, Bill Cochran, directed this episode, and he directed the season three episode, Seth. And I don't know if that's a good episode or not. Um, it's um, I mean, it's not a bad, it's not a bad episode. It's the it's the cult. Remember the cult one, Victor? They have to go undercover in the cult. Oh, good, goodness gracious! (laughs) No, I don't remember that one. But it's it's with yeah, it looks like with with uh, with her brother or something. But so it's 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 not a bad episode in my in my opinion. Nice. So. But I did read something, an interview with the director, and he said that um, he hired actors experienced in mime to develop their own communication. And so they wanted to see the development of trust and language between the two worlds. And Michael Shanks was great with assessing the situation and really responsible for making the scene in the shelter come alive. Yeah. Um. Except they didn't really do any of that in the episode. There was no, uh, yeah. no real like development or there's no follow through on them trying to communicate. It's just the aliens don't talk and they figure it out just because Carter figures it out by listening to the low frequency audio from the drone video right. and then the recording of the plant. Like there's never a point where they actually break through the communication barrier and communicate with the aliens. So that's not something that really is paid off. And I think it's a, it's an interesting concept having this alien species that's complete that does not communicate verbally at all, but they mm-hmm. communicate with sound waves and like have to have this certain like sound frequency to remain healthy. Like that's a cool idea, but they don't do anything cool with it. Yeah. And I wish I thought or made the connection that it was a planet of mimes that would have <laughs> made my summary work so much better. But I should I should have texted yeah. you. <laughs> well and uh yeah, so Carter figures out that, like, the sound waves on the video, like, could potentially be very harmful. So, like, where does she where does she run to to, like, test her theory and, like, crank it up? Like, the most populated room on the base, like, the most critical, the operations center. Pipe it through the PA system. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you, Jack. When you think about what they were trying to create and the basis of the alien, it, it is. And I don't think we see another episode where they tackle aliens that not only don't speak English, but don't speak at all. I mean, I don't think we see anything like this again. Maybe there's a reason, but yeah, we, we do. <laughs> I just, I feel like it was a missed opportunity and maybe it was a filler because I don't, um, I was saying, I don't think we really get a good, what is it called? Flashback mm-hmm. um, episode this season, right? The last episode of the season is a clip show. Oh, you're right. It is. It is out of mind. So I was thinking maybe, maybe that's what we were doing here was kind of saving some money and, you know, filler. But it, season two is such a great season that it, uh, yeah, and that's I kind of hate to see them miss this step. I think the, it looks like the next couple episodes we're going to do before the end of the season are going to be good. So maybe they just had a free slot in the schedule and this is an easy one to, to knock out. But, the weird thing to me is like they put effort into building those huts and then they put effort into like designing the CGI for the creatures and all that. So like some, a little, a little bit of effort went into like the set design and stuff, but then they totally phoned it down the costumes when that would have been, I feel like that's the easiest part to get right. 
Well, again, I don't understand. They're men. Why didn't they just have them go shirtless and paint them? Right. Yeah. Or, or make the costumes out of like vinyl or something, you know, that would yeah. not be obvious fabric. You know, I don't know. It's Yeah. They were on Showtime. Yeah, so. exactly. They must have had lots of vinyl <laughs> costumes. No, no, I just, <laughs> no, no, I just mean that they could show some skin. Yeah. I mean, they show a lot of women's skin. So <laughs> here's an opportunity where you have characters who are supposed to be naked and they cover them up. But then you have all these women who are supposed to, anyway, and then they're, well, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. And and then after they've been around him for like a couple hours, like very close, you know, close enough that they could steal like Carter's knife and stuff. Then they say, oh, did you know they're not really naked? It's just body paint that's been hardened into like, you know, a shell, like like that stuff you pour on ice cream. And mm-hmm. it's like, did they <laughs> did they not know? <laughs> like, like, how did it take them that long to figure that out? But Do you think that was maybe a kind of slip in there in case anyone questioned, oh, they're not really naked. Like we can see stuff. Do you think that was maybe, yeah, like a writer's way of, you know, giving us a reason for it? But there's nothing. Hey, we, not hey, we found the closet that has all the sparkly unitards in it. They could have said that instead. Yeah, I had to explain to my kids what yeah. a unitard was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's no like plot reason that they have to be wearing like shells of body paint. Like it doesn't factor into anything. Like, so I, I guess they just needed a. It was a quick and easy costume, and yeah, what we've seen before. Yeah. Like, like with the Knox or whatever, they just had like weird bear furs on and stuff. Like they could have done anything else, and it would have been better. I feel or, like. Or having wear like plant leaves or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a doctor. Or them or, just, yeah. Even if they'd put them a color, like full on. That probably takes more work. Yeah. I don't know. It is kind of ironic that the episode is called One False Step, right? I mean. And, and, and we get the title in dialogue, too, which is always <laughs> the sign of a good episode. Oh, well, we right. got we got some Jack uh, Daniel bickering, which is yes, always a little fun. Because I have to say that the two actors have amazing chemistry. And when they bicker, you almost watch them and think, are they really? Like, yeah. Do they really get along or not? <laughs> but I've heard they always got along. It was it was just great to see them. Just it's so natural to snipe at each other. Yeah. To uh, odd, odd pairing, they don't really uh, jive well. Mm-mm. And the other positive thing was them all trying to smile while they came up and yeah. touched them and stuff. That was that was a humorous. I mean, for me, that was a yeah. humorous moment. You know, Tilk says, "What is it? I do not like this." Yeah. <laughs> I am not fond of this. Yeah, there were there were lots of moments where where I wrote down where the script becomes self-aware. Like <laughs> Jack saying, witness, if you will, squat. Uh, this was the precursor to the new Matrix movie. Just go totally yeah. self-aware of how bad it actually is. Oh, oh, they do exactly that, like later on in season. Uh, oh, golly, five and then ten, I think. Where they go completely meta like that, but. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Do I... 
I know. <laughs> I saw someone saw someone online said, you know, it could have been nice to have like this long arc of who they are and like what's going on. And I'm like, that's not what they did in the late 90s sci-fi. Yeah. You didn't have these. And we've talked about that. We didn't have these discovery arcs where it's a whole season for one plot. It's it's single, you know, a lot of single Planet of the Week episodes. I just, I wish they'd taken a little more development in this one. And it would have been cool if Doug Jones had been able to play Saru right on Discovery. Like, the, the if he had been able to somehow, like, act all of the characters and doing it while wearing, like, his Mac Tonight moon head. Oh, yeah. That he did in those commercials. <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been fun, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like you were saying, Lisa, it's they don't they didn't do long arcs like this in the nineties, which is a detriment to episodes like this, but it's also a positive in that we didn't get a whole season of this. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> then you, you end up with things like most of Discovery where it's right. one bad idea stretched out over right. the entire season. <laughs> Well, exactly. Especially yes. with 22 episodes a season, you can have a blink and have a, I mean, I guess you kind of expect to have, you have 22 episodes a season, you kind of expect to have an episode here and there that, meh, you know, just, I mean, I'm yeah. not going to stop watching the show over it, obviously, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't awesome. But next week's going to be better. And next week is better. And yes. then two weeks, we have an amazing episode that is probably a fan favorite oh definitely like top 10 episode right yeah there. 1969 so yeah. yeah it's and then like y'all said last week serpent song was was excellent so i don't know i guess it's very forgivable to have a, a hiccup but still i mean one one wrong move one false step and a whole episode gets wiped out <laughs> Real. Yeah. all i could think of um was when the aliens start doing that like that that singing thing that for some reason, Carl mm-hmm. says, we, we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. Like, so they, they do this thing where they gather around and they like make these high pitched wailing sounds that just sound, with their Korg M1 synthesizer yeah, or whatever. Say like that, or like a, most of Yoko Ono's music. Um, but it's just this, this horrible wailing. And Carter's talking about how beautiful it is. Like, they make this beautiful music. And like, it's no, you know, on no planet is that. Pleasant. <laughs> or, or when they're like doing the uh, the MRI of the alien and like all the mm. physiology's messed up and like Carter and Fraser look at it and go like, well, that's weird. And then they like cut away from it. And then later on, they're talking about, oh, yeah, that that organ must be like a sound sensing organ. And you're like, OK, that's kind of one giant leap. But sure. They're called ears. Ears. Yeah. yeah. And it was the only organ that seemed to really pop up. Huh. <laughs> I thought that was their heart, though, in the stomach. But then again, they don't really make it clear. They kind of just. Mm-mm. Easier to suspend belief, right? You just go with it. They're aliens. If they're covered with like a hard shell of body paint, how do they go to the bathroom? <laughs> well, I mean... well, if they don't have any tools <laughs> and they true. don't. And they, they, there's no, you know, he said there's no tools, there's no plates, there's no food. Like, so maybe they don't eat. I don't know. And that's why I was thinking, like, if they had followed that concept through and made them, like, actually be, like, fungal beings that sprout out of those pods, like, mm-hmm. do a lot of interesting things with that. But as it stands, they're just really weird people. Yeah. 
But think about it again. Symbiotic, you know, you've got the whole Gould and Jaffa thing, right? Symbiotic, and and then you've got plants and people, and it's it's a great theory. I'm just. It's but like, why are they symbiotic? What do they do for the plants, and what do the plants do for them? Like, there's no real symbiosis there. There, if anything, right? Parasites living off the plant sound. Well, yeah. Well, but, but do they when they sing? Does it feed the plant? They don't talk about that, so I don't know. Mm. Yeah. That was always the impression I got for some reason. It seems if you had a couple of those, like, solar-powered, like, boomboxes they had at the end, you could actually keep some of these guys in a zoo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, who's going back to check on them? Are we just going <laughs> to... Stops working? I mean, they didn't heal the plant. They didn't... He- I mean, they didn't... Maybe they didn't fix it. Maybe they're hoping that... It will work long enough until the plant heals itself, and then it can just take over. There we go. I mean, that would have been better if they'd been like, oh, it's already semi-healing. And if we just, yeah. I am excited, though, to see um, when Alex Kurtzman inevitably reboots Stargate and does this episode. Instead of having it be like that weird low bass frequency, he's going to play the beasties (laughs) for the aliens, and that's going to heal them. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think they do hint at that. I was I was just checking my notes at the end when the the aliens are singing and then the plants actually blossom for some reason. So I think they do indicate that that there is like that symbiotic type relationship there. Uh, oh, that's right. That's how Carter said she talks to her plants. So they sing to their plants and the plants grow, and then the plants emit a noise, but not anymore that the people respond to. They had all their Nickelodeon slime <laughs> leaking out of them. <laughs> That hurts. T- like, can we go back to that? Like, <laughs> it's mood slime from Ghostbusters too. So, uh, yeah, it's like I was like I, I was like know. when they were arguing. I was like, is this Ambassador Sarek nearby or something? Like, what's going on? Yeah, with this. Uh, but uh, no, yeah. I mean, there's another thing that makes this episode very funny when you start to think about it is is they establish that this um this village is is ten miles from the gate. And so Jack says, oh, great, six miles or six hours there and six hours back, you know, or something to to walk. And then they make so many trips back and forth to the gate in this village. It's like, did they carry that like guy on the stretcher for 10 miles? You know, <laughs> did Frazier walk 10 miles and then turn around with all of her gear and like walk? I don't know. So it shouldn't take you I guess so. six hours to go 10 miles. I mean, no, he said there and back. Oh, OK. So it's so it's three hours. OK, three hours. Yeah, and this was Fraser's second time through the gate, but the first time we saw it. Oh, okay. She'd only been off world once, and that was Solitudes. Solitudes? Singularity. Ooh, I gotta go back and look. The one with Cassie, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, that was Singularity. Singularity. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, it makes me wonder why the uh, ancients put the gate on this planet. Like, if those, those beings were there before, or... <laughs> Like, there's nothing, there's no, like, nothing connecting this to anything else in the Stargate universe. And I think that's why it's so uninteresting. Like, they're obviously not humans, so they weren't brought there by the Gould or anyone else. But they're not. You know what they they did say that was interesting is they'd been to that planet the day before, right? And they didn't find anything. And Carter wanted to go back for the UAV. Because they were saying there's no reason to go back because there's nothing there. So this brought up an interesting point. So UAV traveled 10 miles. So (laughs) 
So usually when they go to a planet, they only get to the area right around the gate. And are they admitting that there could be other things on these planets besides what's in the immediate vicinity of the gate? Yes. (laughs) Yes, because it it comes up a lot more in Atlantis where they when they have the puddle jumpers and can like Mm -hmm. say, well, there's nothing near the gate, but we flew like around to the other side of the planet or something. But yeah, with without any sort of means of travel like that, then yes, I mean, you're pretty much limited. And the assumption is that anything interesting would be within, you know, range of the gate, maybe. But I don't know, maybe the aliens like saw their profile, like the mind people's profile or something and thought they looked (laughs) cool and then put the gate there and then went through and actually met them. And then was like, oh, this is a horrible mistake. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Yeah, it does kind of my my assumption was that like SG-1 always goes through and does like a quick scout around and if something's interesting, you know, have an adventure, but otherwise the follow-up groups probably branch out more and more when they have more time to look around. But I think it's also just one of those planet of the hats kind of kind of things you get in sci-fi where every alien planet is homogenous and like it's like a one-world government, everything is exactly the <laughs> yeah. same on the planet. There's like a monoculture and I feel like it's the same same kind of thing with this. Could be. We do get some. We could do get some fighting worlds later. Oh, nice! That's cool. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, different factions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's early days. I keep reminding myself. We're we're how many episodes in? Like forty, forty, yeah, forty-one, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, those are actually. It is still early days in the in the grand scheme of how many years the show was on. Yeah, those are my favorite episodes where they find a civilization that's like 1940s America, but with space travel type things where there, <laughs> yeah. where there's like, you know, these civilizations that like, oh, they, you know, culturally, they seem to be at the level of 1940s Earth. But however, they have mastered like, you know, so it, it there are some cool, uh, you know, civilizations like that. Those are my favorite. Nice. Like that. It's mm-hmm. one of the things because they have really cool costumes and, and architecture and stuff. That's one of the things I really like about the original series is that they of Star Trek where they would do like those planets, whereas like the gangster planet or the ancient Rome planet. Like mm-hmm. I like those really far out ideas in sci-fi. And one of my biggest problems with both modern Star Trek and just modern sci-fi in general is that it's not weird enough. And so I like when things get like more <laughs> like esoteric and strange in their concepts. So. We do have a lot of that coming up, but uh, yeah. I think this episode shows that you can be a little too esoteric and strange in some <laughs> respects. So would you, uh, if you had to pick, would you pick this or Emancipation? Is the worst, you mean? Yeah. Like, which one would you rather rewatch, I guess? <laughs> I would watch Emancipation. Definitely. Yeah, this, my kids have never even seen this one. They were like, this is like a long lost episode to them. They were yeah. like, we've never seen this. And they're like, why have we never seen this? Then they watched it and they were like, oh, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, I think I said this or like when we were talking about a previous episode, but um, yeah, stuff happens in Emancipation at least. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily good stuff, but at least, you know, on a level of camp it works and this just doesn't even work at that level. Yeah. I'm going to say a lot of talking. You know, and you know me, I love relationship building and all that kind of stuff. This was not that. No. This was a lot of um, just kind of, I don't know, say boring, but it, yeah, no. It was, it was boring and 
I think it's it's made worse by the fact that they had like the nugget of a good idea and they did absolutely mm-hmm. nothing with it. And it, it feels like they intentionally it almost feels like it was intentional that they set up these interesting ideas and then completely didn't follow through. And they're just like, all right, we're at the 44 minute mark. Here's how the plot is. Well, maybe that's how it was. It's like the end of season two. They're like, oh, my gosh, we have all these great things. We have all these, you know, fires going. We have some cool stuff happening in the next couple episodes that take a lot of effort and a lot of time. So somebody do a quick episode, yeah. you know, like just just don't take a, think about it. I, I don't know how this works with actors and how you pay them, but they didn't say anything. That's oh, yeah. So isn't there know. a pay scale based on if you talk? Yeah. I think yeah, there is in the U.S. right. If with the oh, that's Canada with the TV Actors Guild or whatever it's called, but who knows? I mean, although they're Canadian mimes, so how much do they really like make? Probably oh. like well, they're probably subsidized by the government, right? And so they <laughs> probably make more than most U.S. actors. But there was an actor that does appear in a later episode who was one of the white guys. Okay, ask me who it was. One of the guys. I think Ooh. it was the one that came back to Earth. I can't remember for now. Um, but he plays Cassandra's boyfriend, Dominic. In oh. the later episode on her 16th birthday. I guess they were impressed with his, uh, his performance yep. here. Or it's just one of those things where you have, a, you have a certain selection of actors and it's easier to bring people back. This guy was easy to work with. He had auditions again, and we we're like, hey, we know you. And yeah. So my husband was like, he looks familiar. And I'm like, no way. Sure enough. Nice. Is it a Colin Heath? Um, I cannot remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. This, this is the only episode he's in. So I don't know. I have to go. I didn't save it when I was looking at it. Yeah, he is, I'm sorry. He's just listed as alien. So. Oh no, Colin Heath was the the first one, the short one. Because I I looked him up, and where is uh Walter? Yeah, I don't know. We get we get uh, the Daniel Bacon technician in this one, the the technician played by Daniel Bacon, who we yeah. see who we see uh, again. I mean, he's kind of like the you know. He's on I don't sabbatical. Know how many episodes. He yeah, got he got in trouble. What? <laughs> What yeah. happened? Because last week y'all had uh, Graham again. Yeah. Yeah. But Daniel Bacon plays the technician in nine episodes of SG1. So we'll yeah. be seeing more of him. I do like, uh, so on the SG1 wiki, they refer, the plants are referred to as mood shrooms and the aliens oh, no. are referred to as odd people. <laughs> and so I feel like that's a great name for like a 60s psychedelia band. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. We just had the the wrong lens of watching this episode. Yeah. Maybe it's all some like drug metaphor or something. (laughs) Like Puff the Magic Dragon or something. Should have taken some more NyQuil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Did you uh, you all have any other thoughts on this uh, gem of an episode? (laughs) Okay, I have to say something. I I feel guilty. I feel guilty like not loving an episode. I do. I didn't. Okay. I didn't hate it. I thought I was from what I remembered of it. I thought I was going to hate it. And it just, it just never, it never clicks. It just never gets going. Um, it just kind of sits there in, in first spinning its wheels in the mud. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's my biggest 
problem with this episode is that there's there's unrealized potential. Like it's not just straight up bad. It's like twenty five percent of an interesting premise that just gets completely wasted. But I, I definitely wouldn't say this is like the worst episode I've seen. Like I'm trying to think of what my least favorite. <laughs> Yeah, this one suffers. From Do you want to throw out some suggestions? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, 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 you know me. I, I'm a big fan. I hate to not appreciate every episode, but yeah. just a for effort, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We still love them. No. Yeah. Yes. And that's what that's what I like about like '90s sci-fi is that you get a much wider range of content like one of my biggest qualms i know i've probably said this multiple times on the show with new tv shows is that you get like eight or ten episodes a season and they're all tied into a main arc and so it's all one tone like you don't get things Mm -hmm. like this where you have like one episode it's about the intergalactic conflict with the gold and then this episode's like a one-off like i appreciate how older tv shows could do stuff like that or like in deep space nine you get like in the middle of the dominion war you get an episode where all the characters play baseball like I like yeah. the, you get I like the variety that you get in kind of this. So I will I will take episodes like this if I can get that kind of variety. Yeah, and I think for anybody tuning in when this episode first aired, they did not expect to see grown men in white unitards <laughs> parading through their Stargate show for forty two minutes. So so good on them for that. That's true. Yeah, definitely. It was unique. That's true. Y'all haven't said this is just like that episode of Star Trek, whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a unique episode. Yeah, I can think of a I can't think of a comparison. I mean, yeah, none come to mind for me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Pat S., Aaron B., Francis L., Victor C., and Greg G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting STARQUEST to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Show and Tell. Until then, Lisa Jones, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. Now go play in the street and don't forget your sunblock. Anyway, I'm sorry, but it just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think?